98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. All right, Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher Zach Gallen was named the NL's Pitcher of the Month after going 5-0 with a 0.68 ERA in August. This comes after Merrill Kelly won the award in July, marking the first time that two D-backs pitchers won consecutive Pitcher of the Month awards since Randy Johnson and Curt Schilling in 2002. And speaking of Merrill Kelly, the outstanding starter for your Arizona Diamondbacks, good friend of the program, he's going to join us right now. Merrill Gambo, Tim Rings filling in for Bernsey. How are you, my friend? What's going on, fellas? I'm doing well. How you guys doing? Hey, congratulations. I mean, that is a, that's, a, that's a tough lineup to go through with the Brewers. Seven innings last night, just a bunch of singles, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. I, I mean, I've watched you pitch now for a number of years. To me, your command is outstanding. I think that's really the difference with, with how great you're pitching this year. Yeah, it's definitely helped. Uh, in the big leagues, it, it, it definitely makes it easier when you can command the ball. Uh, these guys are pretty good hitters. Uh, like, I left that ball over to Hunter Renfro yesterday, and he almost took my face off with it. Uh, right. So it just kind of shows you if you can stay out of the middle of the plate, you're going to be uh, a lot more successful. Yeah, four years here. I mean, you came in 2019, and right away, you're like, wow, the, the, Mike Hayes, that was a good find by Mike Hayes. But now, I mean, you've got the sixth best ERA in all of baseball. What's the difference for you now compared to your first couple years with the D-backs? Uh, man, I think it's just being comfortable in kind of my own skin and my own uh, my own locker, I guess you should say. Um, like you said, I've been here since 2019. It's the fourth year. You know, I've seen major league hitters for for almost four years now, and I think I'm just finally gotten to the point now where I, I almost feel like a big leaguer. Um, I think those first years was still kind of trying to feel my way through all of the things that comes with being a big leaguer. You know, not only trying to get the best hitters in the world out, but also the other things that come along with it and kind of maturing. Um, so I think it's more just comfortability and kind of mindset going into every game, knowing that, you know, if I make good pitches, they're probably going to be out. This stretch has been incredible. I mean, I almost like, you know, when I go to the ballpark and I watch you guys play, I almost expect you guys to win now. Is, is In your time here, is this the first time where you feel like, man, every time we go to the ballpark, we kind of expect to win? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, in 19, we were pretty good. You know, I think we won 85 games that year. We were rolling pretty good until we ran into the uh, to the Mets at the end of the year. That kind of imploded us at the end. But um, since then, definitely, I think this is probably the best baseball that we've been playing since I've been here. Um, it's fun to watch. You know, a lot of the young guys kind of infusing a lot of energy into the team. Um, you know, that with Christian Walker just hitting balls a million miles out of the park. Um, and the pitching staff that we have right now, it's been a lot of fun, and, and the snakes are rolling right now. Yeah, Merrill, you actually mentioned something I was going to ask you about the young guys infusing the energy into the clubhouse uh, along those same lines when you talk about those guys coming in just going to the ballpark every day compared to oh I don't know say last year uh, what a 180 degree difference it has to be and that has to be that has to show show up on the field with the way you guys play and compete every day uh, because man it's, it's fun to watch it has to be fun to play yeah, it's definitely more fun going to the ballpark this year than it was last year. I think I can probably speak for everybody that was here last year. They'd probably agree with that statement. Um, you know, last year we were just pretty much showing up, almost expecting to lose, trying to find ways to win. Um, but this year it's it's a different attitude, different vibe walking into the clubhouse and knowing that, you know, we're going to put some pressure on some teams. Uh, we got some guys that can run, they can put the bat on the ball, uh, kind of make things happen. It's exciting to watch, and I think um, a lot of teams are probably not looking forward to playing 
playing us uh, the way that we're playing right now. No, I mean, we see the speed on the base paths all the time, but I want to ask you about the defense. Um, but even like last night, I loved the bunt by Perdomo. He just he bunted it too close, you know, too too quick to the first baseman, made the play. Carroll was out, but Carroll's ability to go from first to third on that ball hit by Kelly. We've seen Carroll go from first to home. We've seen uh, Jake McCarthy steal third base off of Luke Weaver. I mean, the speed with these guys is unbelievable. Tell me as a pitcher, though, having those guys in the outfield, that has four of them that can really go get it, how, how much has that benefited you and the other pitchers? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'd probably put our outfield up against really anybody in the league right now. Um, you know, Alec Thomas, ever since he's come up, has been ridiculous. Um, you know, he saved me four runs single-handedly out in Cincinnati. Um, um, but as far as the other guys, Varsh and, and Max been playing great for us. He's put a lot of pressure on pitchers. Um, and when you have that speed on the bases, like you said, you know, it takes away a lot of focus from the actual pitch. And when you're doing that and you're causing havoc and running around, uh, it's much more likely to, you know, leave a ball over the middle for, you know, maybe Marty or, or Walk, um, somebody to drive the ball and bring those fast guys home. Was that when Thomas, was Was that when he robbed the home run? Yeah, he that robbed Joey, uh, Joey Votto and then he Joey made Votto. a diving catch, uh, I think maybe two innings later with a guy on third that would have, or a guy on second that would have cost me another run too. I, so. I, I mean, I've said this, and I'm not joking. I, I think he's probably the best defensive center fielder in baseball right now. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely make that argument. Um, you know, obviously, the more track record that he has and the longer that he is, I think that uh, that argument will become stronger and stronger. But from what I've seen so far, as him compared to other guys in the league, uh, I think he definitely stacks up there. Yeah, we had McCarthy on the show the other day, and he was outstanding. I mean, he's just done such a good job. But you could just see it, right? The way these kids are playing, right? They don't know any better. They're loose. They're having fun. I mean, the little antics, whether it's doing the karate kid at second base or flexing. I mean, I, I almost think that they have. They've this this infusion of youth into this baseball team has kind of rejuvenated everybody. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I've said it since the All-Star break. Um, for some reason, I felt a, a kind of a change in the mood, a change in the attitude after the All-Star break for whatever reason. Uh, the way we came out post-break compared to what we were doing pre-break um, is was night and day in my mind. Um, and I think what we're talking about with all the young guys and the athleticism and uh, and the speed, I think, contributes to a lot of that. Yo, Maryland, cosmetically, the record is starting to look a little better now. It's 62 and 68. We had some fun earlier in the show today we were trying to break out the calculator or try to figure out what it would take to finish at 500 or better and it's totally doable i know you're going to tell me one game at a time but humor me what would it what would it mean for you guys to make a run at that 500 mark or even finish a game above 500 by playing really it's doable by playing really good baseball here in september yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's doable. Um, I, I do agree that we do have to take one day at a time, <laughs> um, as cliche as it is. But uh, especially with the month that we have coming up, you know, we def- definitely don't have any rest for the weary. No, coming into the last month, we got San Diego a lot, we got LA a lot, uh, we have Houston at the end of the month. So um, we're definitely going to still have to be our game. There's definitely no time for a letdown in the last month. Um, but I definitely think it's doable. Uh, the fact that we're, you know, that we leapfrog the Giants or in third place in the division, I think is huge, um, based off of what we did last year and how we ended and 
you know, the fact that we only had 52 wins, um, I think the fact that we're sitting in third right now, um, especially with how the season's gone, it hasn't been necessarily electric all year. Um, so I think with where we're sitting at right now, if we can finish strong and, and play the, the brand of baseball that we're playing right now, uh, I think it'll kind of put that uh, good taste in everybody's mouth kind of going into next year. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe by next year you might even be able to compete, compete for a playoff spot. Heck, I mean, if we, bullpen was a little bit better, you guys would probably be in contention right now. Let me ask you about the ability to come back. You guys were down 7 nothing to the Phillies. You came back and won that game. In the past, would this team have felt like they were out of it when they got down 7 nothing against a good team? Yeah, I mean, I think that's easy to do when you only win 52 games, right? Um, when you're losing 17 in a row and 25 in a row in, the, in a row at, on the road, um, I think just any time we went down at all, I think people probably expected us for us to lose that game. Um, but I think, like you said, with the young guys kind of not knowing any better and you know their eyes are wide and they're ready to go, I think that no game is is really out of reach right now. I think we're going to keep calling back, um, and if we keep pitching the way that we have, um, you know, I think we're going to be in a good place. You know, there was there was uh, the game story last night mentioned that you guys, you know, you and Gallon have lockers right next to each other, and that uh, you know that you don't rub performances in each other's face. But it seems like there's some friendly competition. You guys are both top six in the National League in ERA. I- is there a friendly competition between the two? Do you guys kind of push each other to pitch well? Uh, I think if anything, it's it's more unspoken. You know, it's kind of. Uh see what I do, not see what I say. Um, you know, we've become pretty close over the last three years. Um, you know, I love the fact that our lockers are next to each other so that we can see, you know, we can talk about things, what we see about hitters, um, you know, what he did to each hitter, how he attacked them, kind of pick each other's brains. Um, but I, there's definitely nothing spoken. We don't we don't really talk about it, but like I said last night in the interview, um, it's definitely motivating for me um, with my opinion of, of Zach on, and being so high. Um, like I said, like I've said before, for I think he's going to be one of the best pitchers in the league for a long time to come. Um, so for a guy like me who's who's been around the block for a little while and then kind of had to go some different places to, to land you know, where I have and to see him do what he does, it's definitely motivating for myself for sure. Leave me with this. When, when, when these new kids come into the locker room and, and they seem to be very well accepted, is that – obviously there's some younger guys that they're familiar with having played with them. Is, is that a benefit to those players that when they get to the locker room they're not – overwhelmed deer in the headlights and they feel like they fit in? Yeah, I think so. Um, I was talking to one of our trainers yesterday, and it's just crazy to see how a team can transition from the beginning of the season to the end of the season as far as the roster goes. You know, And if you look at the roster from the beginning of the season you look at it right now, it looks very different. Um, and that's because a lot of the guys have come up from Reno, and a lot of those guys spent a lot of good time in AAA. You know, and the minor leagues is definitely a place to get close to each other because it's the minor leagues and you're grinding and you're trying to make it. Um, so I think you kind of develop different bonds down there with, with players than – Maybe you would um, when you get to the big leagues because it's more of maybe more of a business feel. Um, so I think the fact that all these guys can come up and see some familiar faces, guys that they've been through the trenches with a little bit, I think go a long way to, to kind of transition everybody to get here and just ready to play some ball. All right, listen, always great having you on the show, my friend. Appreciate your time. Continued success. We love watching you pitch every fifth day. 
All right, I appreciate it, guys. You guys have a good one. Thanks, uh, that's Merrill Kelly, and uh, just out, outstanding signing by Mike Hayes. And I mean, he's been one of the better pitches in baseball, and there's a real bargain for them. He's he's just been outstanding. The uh, the the Suns, excuse me, the the Phoenix Suns could be in the market for a small forward. We'll talk about their chances of getting that player next on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. 987 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Nice job, Mitch. Tracking down Merrill Kelly. Pretty awesome. Love having Merrill on the show. Very nice. Right. Love it's you. So it's just so uh, that one-two punch is fantastic. Is Serena about to take the court right now? This this is right now. I believe so. I think she's got a. Fi- I saw a fifty-one percent chance to win this match. She's going up against a uh, unseated player. I don't know anything about this player. She is from Britain. Uh, Aisha Tomlanovich, six career. Oh no. Australia. Australia. That's Australia. I just knew that. <laughs> Six career wins versus top 10 opponents. So she's going. So Serena back at it. Her and, her and Venus lost in doubles. Oh, in doubles. They Is lost they... in doubles. Place looks to be packed. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. Of course, I mean, think about it. This is prime time right now in New York. So look at that. That is incredible. Team in New York. Yep. Yeah. If, now I think she's got two unseated players to get to the semis. Then, like, if she wins this one, I think it's another unseated player, and then she'd be in the semis. So if she could win her next two matchups, she'd be in the semis. We're pulling for Serena. Imagine being the person playing Serena every match and just know everybody's rooting against yes. you. Even Everybody. your own mother and father are rooting against you. They want to see Serena win. I mean, we love uh, you, but we also love history. Yeah, exactly. Like the, nothing against you. You've got your whole career ahead of you. This is this is Serena's last go round. Come right. on, rock on, Queen. Forty years of age, Serena Williams. Yeah, this will be fun. So that match is on right now. We'll watch that. All right, the Phoenix Suns. They have interest in Utah small forward Boyan Bogdanovich. I don't know if they have what it would take to get a trade done, but there is interest there. Um, he's available. The Suns have checked in very, very recently on him, I believe even yesterday. And, you know, with the Jazz trading Mitchell and, and trading Rudy Gobert, they're, the Jazz are open for business. They're open for business. There's no reason for them to hang on to a 33, 34-year-old small forward when they're trying to lose basketball games. I'm a fan of Bogdanovich. He's a terrific player. He's a good scorer. Plays off the ball. He's versatile. You could post him up. You could have. You, you could be a spot up shooter. But I love guys that can play off the ball. I, do, I love guys that do, he does not need the ball in his hands to be an efficient, effective player. Now he's not a great defender, but he is a willing defender. He's physical. He'll go at you a little bit. So I remember last year in the playoffs, he went at Doncic quite a bit. So he is a willing defender. So it's not like he's a zero at defense. He definitely tries, and you know he's okay at it. So there's a lot to like about this if, if the Suns could pull this off. But there will be competition. There's definitely got to be competition including the Lakers who would like to get their hands on them. And do the Suns have really anything the Jazz would like from a player standpoint? Probably no. not. From a pick standpoint, sure. Involving a third team, that option becomes... That is definitely available to the Suns to make this deal happen. Here's the question. Bogdanovich, if he becomes a Sun, plug him into the starting lineup instead of Crowder? 
Assuming Crowder is either part of the trade. You're going to have to move some salary. Remember, you got to probably move about $15 million in right. salary to make this work. But Bogdanovich, from a pure basketball standpoint, Bogdanovich in the starting lineup, does that work for you? Yeah. Because you essentially have, you don't have the classic four. You can start Cam Johnson and have Bogdanovich come off the bench. That's where I'm going with that. Like you can start Cam. Cam's I mean, ready. Dreaming is free. So let's let's sure. let's let's talk let's talk basketball because okay. we talked about the the workings of the deal last hour. Let's talk basketball. How does how does that look for Monty Williams if you plug Bogdanovich into this rotation? Do you start him? Is he part of the starting five with Bridges, DeAndre, Chris, and Devin, or do you start Cam? And then you bring Bogdanovich off the bench, and he ends, but he essentially becomes your scoring weapon, replacing Cam Johnson in that role off the bench. You know how but, this works. Your sixth guy is going to get just as many minutes, man. Your sixth guy is going to get plenty of minutes. It's, it's no, every good sixth man gets plenty of minutes, and sometimes guys are like, it doesn't matter if I start, I want to finish. I mean, I I don't know. I think that you. I, I, I don't know what Monty would do. I don't know. Cam Johnson is ready to start, but Bogdanovich is a terrific player. And Are you putting too much rebounding pressure on the shoulders of DeAndre Ayton if your starting five is Bogdanovich and Bridges along with him on the front line? You think, could, think about that for a second. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm posing the question. No, you would because start. I, I, you, would, so offense, you would start. You would start Mikhail at small forward. I know, but so, but if Bogdanovich is essentially your four, and he's not really a four, no, your offense, you're fine. Forget, mm-hmm. forget, forget that. That side of the ball is great. You're deadly. Are you okay with that starting five on the other end? So you could go Chris and Book, and then Mikhail, Cam Johnson, and Da. Right. Or now, Mikhail now Bogdanovich Johnson. and DA. Right, now, but then you also could play Dario as your small ball five when DA comes out. Dario's your five. Now I don't know if you know who would be traded in a deal. I know that you're not gonna get a deal done just giving up one first round pick. Yeah. You'd have to give up multiple first rounders to to the Jazz in order to get Bogdanovich. Look, they could even extend him if they don't like if there's a deal they don't like. He's a good player. Um I think they'll end up trading him. The Lakers want him really bad. There are some other teams that want him. I'm not sure who those teams are yet, but there's a handful of teams that are interested. I think the the Suns might either have to get a third team involved. Now how you would use him? It's a good question. He He'd easily he he's your your top seven guys are going to be major rotation pieces. He's going to get plenty of minutes. Yeah, and I just I listen. No matter whether it's Bogdanovich or Cam Johnson as your starting four, either way, neither one of those guys are your traditional power forwards, right? So either way, DeAndre Ayton's going to have to carry the burden of hitting the glass. DeAndre's and, a great defensive rebounder. He's what he's have, not is he's not a good offensive rebounder. He's going to have to be. He's not a good offensive rebounder. His offensive rebound numbers are not good. His defensive rebound numbers are good. He is a terrific defensive rebounder, but he's not a good. And the Suns are a terrible offensive rebounding team. Look it up. Like they're not a good offensive rebounding team. But to have, but to have that level of scoring, 
would be tremendous. Now, if you lose Jay, if Jay's gone, that that helps you with that some of that defense toughness, rebounding, and stuff like that that's that he gives saying. you. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's, I'm just curious how that looks. If the Suns can pull it off, of course. Now, Bogdanovich, 33 years of age, makes about 19 million a year. So, if the Suns are to swing a deal player wise, got to match up salaries. Final year of his deal, and we talked about it earlier. That Suns window, right, Gambo? I mean. You said two years for Chris Paul. I'm not sure it's two years. I'm I'm actually hoping it's one year. I'm hoping Chris Paul is still playing at a high level in the summer of 2023. Last last play, the way that thing went south. And I, listen, if there yeah. was a, if there was a COVID, I it's funny. I hate to say it this way, but I almost hope it was COVID because then it actually explains. What happened? And it wasn't just Father Time, and he couldn't make it through an entire playoff season. I, I I hope it was the unlucky virus that hit him, and it wasn't just tired legs. And I hope that Chris Paul can, in fact, stay healthy and play at a championship high level throughout a playoff season in twenty twenty three. Because if he can't, I, I you know I then, then I'm not sure what we're we're, we're talking they, about anyway. So there, there was a lot of stuff that they did to Chris Paul. One of the first things they did was they attacked Dallas attacked Chris Paul. He was in foul trouble three times in that series. They had they made him guard Brunson. They put him in pick and rolls. They wore him out full court. You know, they made him give the ball up, you know, so they switched bigs on DA and Paul. Like they really, really went after him. And they attacked him on that defensive side. Now, when you play again, when you're playing every other day in the playoffs, those old legs, man, they start to get a little tired. They, I'm not buying the whole. Oh, he was sick. Thing, Chris Paul, to me, he was fine. If he, if he was, if he was too sick to play, then he shouldn't have played. But he played. He played, and you know, I think that I give more credit to Dallas than other people do with how they were able to take him out of the game. Well, it's a copycat league. Every league is. They say it about the NFL. But you can't but it's gonna... copycat in the regular season. No, because you don't. You know, you you play it. You play a but, team in November. You may not play him again for two more months. But they're going to play every other day again in the playoffs next the year. Playoffs. He's going to be another year older, right? Right. I'm just saying. Listen, get the, and there's the, still the, times that he plays great. He had so he had an unbelievable game against New Orleans. He, closed, he was good against New he Orleans. He closed out the. He closed them out. He had one game bad six. game against them. He had one bad game. That's fine. He was 14 against, for 14 in game six. He, he literally closed them out. He was phenomenal for for the most part in that series. But it, listen, it fell off a cliff. It fell off a cliff in the Dallas series. I, I just think it's got to be the, the 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 Suns should be hyper aggressive in attacking the championship now this year this season. I don't disagree with that. All, all. in, all in. Speaking of hyper uh, aggressive, the Arizona Cardinals were with one of their own players. We'll talk about that next on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Yeah, speaking of presidential pools, I love them. They did a great job on my poll. So much so that everybody wants to swim in my pool. Everybody. Including snakes. Yeah. I had a Mojave rattlesnake in my pool today. I took a picture. It's up on Twitter right now. And then we started debating, what do you do with it? Now, I actually went and I took the snake out of the pool and I put him over the fence and now I'm worried that I should have taken him like a quarter of a mile away or two miles away 
Instead, I just kind of put him over the fence, and I asked him to please not come back. I would have driven him to Casa Grande. Although I don't yeah, think then you would have had him in your car yeah, with you. <laughs> that would have been the problem. Hey, you I just like, put him over the fence. Now the but, bucket. You put him in a bucket. Right. Then I had people tell me, like, uh, yeah, that's an extremely venomous steak. Like, you're really lucky. Like, you're lucky he didn't, like, jump at you or lunge towards you or anything like that. So that's one of our poll questions. And we've got our Sanderson Ford Twitter poll questions. And Eric Ruby does a good job with it every single day. It's very interactive. You can vote on it every single day and have some fun with it. But we got a couple of questions out there. Don't we, Eric? Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. This is a terrible transition. How should you transition with that? I've had it with these snakes on this plane. Oh, my God. Yeah, snakes on a plane. Yeah. Yeah, so Get off of my plane. So we had we have a couple of Twitter poll questions out there. One sports related, one not. I'll let you take it away, Eric. That's right. We got the important one first. Of course, this is about your friendly visitor this morning. Oh man! So we quote it and we said, "Do you call a professional or do you handle the business yourself?" Mm. This one, it's close. Ringer, you're a call professional. Gambo, you do it with your hands. You handle it yourself. Fifty four point eight percent of people are dialing one eight hundred Snake out now. All right, let's so let me just jump in. He didn't do it with his hands. He got the pool skimmer. I just got the pool skimmer. Just, all right, he wasn't Rambo reaching in, squeezing that sucker by the neck until it died. It's like just using my quickness. Let's my let's yeah, trying to lure it to sleep. Just went in and grabbed it right there. Yeah. Grabbed it and everything. Get out of my pool. No, but I, I like I didn't know. Then my 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 pest guy's like, yeah, dude, those things like I would have never done it. You should have called a professional. Like those things can jump at you. They can lunge at you. I was really close. I was like this close to it. Like as close as me and you are. Yeah, I wasn't I, far away. Can, I would, can it spring out of water though? Like, can, it, can it actually like... It was a, floating in the water. Right, it was just taking a... Like I was just taking a bath. How was zoomed a, in was this picture? Taking a swim. Was this picture not zoomed in at all that you posted? Were you this close to it? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty close, man. Yeah, that's can pretty it, close. Can, it, can it coil and like fly out know, of the water? I didn't know it was a, like an extremely venomous snake either. Like I knew it was a rattler, but I was like, uh... Well, that, I was just like, I just want to get him out of my I yard. I think any rattler is venomous enough. Yeah, but this is like a Mojave something. All right, what are people saying about it? 54.8% are uh, calling the snake guys, mm. getting them out of the pool. 45.2% are going to elbow drop from the top rope like Gambo. But we do have some sports questions as well. This one, football related. Jalen Thompson, the latest guy to enter big bag summer here in Arizona sports. Who's next in line on the Cardinals? Your three options on the poll, Byron Murray. Murphy, Marcus Golden, and Hollywood Brown. I went with Marcus Golden, man. We got to take care of Marcus. He's we, we need Marcus. Yeah, got to have Marcus on that wall. <laughs> you need me on that wall. Assuming, assuming the dog is holding in, he's got to be next. If we can only do one contract at a time. <laughs> Now that JT has his, let, let, let's get the junkyard dog signed because hmm. practice starts what on uh, Monday, uh, the game week, right? Uh, right, I would assume. Like, let's yeah, the Chiefs Chiefs week starts Monday. Let's go nine right. days away. Nine days away. The first game, fifty point five percent of people want to lock Marcus Golden up. Second place, significantly thirty five point nine percent is Byron Murphy. Thirteen point five percent say lock up Hollywood Brown. All right, there you go. That's our Twitter poll question. You can vote on that, or if you had a venomous rattlesnake in your pool, what would you do? <laughs> would you take the snake out yourself? Here's the question I have. If somebody like no snakes would... I put it over the fence. And behind me is a desert. So I put it over the fence. 
Is it going to come back? <laughs> or is it going to be like, because I, I said, will you please, just please don't, I'm going to, like, I'm saving you. I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to kill you. I, I have no desire to kill you. I just don't want you to come back to my house. You please know, don't come back. You know, Gamble is going to turn this into a, another promotional read for a snake removal company. Gamble here, love telling you about Jimmy's snake removal. Just call me. I'll, I'll do the snake <laughs> removal. Call me. I'll come get that sucker out of your, your yard. That big rattler. 500 bucks. I'll get that rattler out. I guarantee I'll get a message. Dude, I got this snake in my yard. Can you come help me? Bring your bring your pool skimmer. Yeah, I'll bring my pool skimmer. We'll get that guy. Um, all right, let's talk a little Cardinals football right now. Jalen Thompson gets his new deal. He gets extended, uh, and I think we all kind of expected that this was going to happen, and he gets it done. Three years, $40 million, 24 and a half guaranteed for the outstanding safety that the Cardinals got in the fifth round of the supplemental draft. He, was, he kind of was going to be a second-round pick, but he ended up going supplemental. Cardinals got him in the fifth. He has been a great, great find. You know, when you talk about draft picks, uh, and the Cardinals have not had a lot of success with their draft. They have not. I heard Vince Murata and Bickley talking about this today. They had a list from over the cap or something and players remaining in the NFL and players that you drafted that are still on your team. They're and the among Cardinals the worst. Are, they're, among the, they're among the worst. But Jalen Thompson was a great find. Just a great find. And now the Cardinals have one of the best uh, dynamic safety duos in the entire NFL. They really do. And you listen to Dave Pash back in training camp. People telling him that uh, he had heard heard, uh, ear to the ground, ear to the grass, ear to the turf, that Jalen Thompson may in fact be a better safety now than Buda Baker. And that had nothing to do with Baker. It's just that Thompson had become uh, that good of a player. Thompson, the only player, uh, DB, in the NFL last year that had 120 or more tackles and three or more uh, interceptions. So this is a guy that's been kind of under the radar. Not only nationally, but maybe here locally, just in fact how good a player he is coming out of Washington State. Now he gets paid. Uh, he's locked in. And listen, the, the Cardinals the Cardinals need him. And they need him because they are so, I guess the way to phrase it would be susceptible right now at cornerback that the fact that Jalen Thomas can in a pinch cover cover guys, cover receivers if you need them to. Obviously, it's not ideal to have him do that all the time, but he's got cover skills, and he can stick his nose in there and make plays and, and hit you. He can play physically, so yeah, uh, this is a good player, and it's good to have him locked up. That is a that is a big-time hit in a supplemental draft by Steve Kime. No and, doubt. And listening, real quick, listening to Mike Leach, his college coach, uh, when when uh, Thompson was picked, great story, Jalen Thompson. Came out, came out of Compton, grew up on the mean streets, the tough streets, made something out of himself, got a scholarship, was recruited by the Navy, by Army. If you know anything about the academies, they don't just take anybody, Gambo. And so for them that want a kid coming out of Compton, tells you all you need to know about the kind of kid that Jalen Thompson is. Jason McCourty on the NFL, former NFL player on the NFL Network, had some really nice things to say about Jalen Thompson. I'm going to go with Jalen Thompson. Who's Jalen Thompson? Yes, exactly. Watch the film Arizona Cardinals defense. You're going to see number 34 just jumping off the film. But people don't talk about him because he lines up across from Buda Baker, another really good safety, one of the best in the league. But this guy was drafted in the fifth round, 2019 supplemental draft, and has played his butt off, even to the point where he's going to be calling the defense for the Cardinals this year, a leader for them. 121 tackles last year, three interceptions, and seven pass breakups. And no one talks about it. This guy's a really good player, one of the best open field tacklers in the NFL, said by his coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Let's go. 
All right, there is Jalen, uh, Jason McCourty talking about Jalen Thompson. Serena Williams just looked up. She is tied 3-3 with uh, Tom Lajanovich from Australia. 3-3 in the first set at Arthur Ashe Stadium in the U.S. Open. So we're keeping our eye on that. Steve Berthume, one of the great broadcasters for the D-backs on Bally Sports Arizona. He's going to join us next, talk a little D-backs baseball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Ferns and Gambo talk Diamondbacks baseball with a D-backs broadcaster, the Booth. Tim Ringfield in for Bernsey. He'll be back on Tuesday. We'll take you right up till 6 o'clock. We had Merrill Kelly on the show earlier today. We had Jake McCarthy on earlier in the week. Lots of D-backs baseball right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And now we check in. One of the best broadcasters out there. My buddy Steve Berthume does a great job on Valley Sports Arizona with Bob Renly. And he's going to join us to talk a little D-backs baseball. Bird, how are you, my friend? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Uh, we have Merrill Kelly on, and he's He's always been a good friend of the program, and it was, man, it was fun to see him scatter those four singles. Got through that first inning last night, a little rough, but after that, man, it was smooth sailing for Merrill Kelly. Yeah, had four batters in the first. Gambo went to three ball counts on three of them. Looked a little uncomfortable, unsettled, but uh, boy, that never lasts long with Merrill. We we like to call him Merrill the mainstay. He's been the mainstay of the pitching staff, and for me, he's been the MVP of the ball club this year. Just based on consistency, I know Zach Gallen was pitcher of the month now. But Merrill from day one has been the guy that has sort of kept things afloat, even in the darkest of times. So uh, he's been outstanding all year long. You know, you look at those ERAs, two guys with ERAs, top six in the league, right? Top six. You know, it's hard to get an ERA under three when you're a starting pitcher these days. It's just, it's not easy. D-backs, that one-two punch has been outstanding. Both those guys... You know, Gallon and Merrill have four or five pitches that they can throw for strikes anywhere in the hitting quadrant at any time. And that is what makes them so hard to hit for me. I, I look at the the young kids that have come up and just I, – I, and i, I got to tell you the story because you're going to love it. So I went to go pick up my kid from baseball practice the other day. It was a two-hour baseball practice. Me and a dad, another dad, we went to a pizza place nearby. We sat down at the bar, had a couple slices, and watching the D-back game. And the two guys next to us, they're talking about that they were at the game and they're watching the D-backs and talking about the young kids and the flexing and the karate kid. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, my God, this is just – man, this is great. This is what this is what people – People talk about you. You want that to happen, and I was so happy to just be there watching the D-backs while I'm waiting for my kid and having other people at the bar talk about the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and, and Gambo, the way that for me translates is that we're getting to the point, and we, as you pointed out, may already be there when you're looking forward to the next game. Because we haven't been there in a while. It's been two or three years since we've had that. I can't wait to watch the game tomorrow or so-and-so's coming to town. I'm going to go to the game Friday for the series opener. We're at that point. We're anticipating and looking forward to tomorrow's game. And when you get there, that's when you really build some momentum. You know, Stephen, it's also it's, it's easy to say, well, they're playing so much better than last year. But if you follow this club, man, they're just playing so much better since May. I mean, they're playing a crisper, cleaner brand of baseball since early 
earlier this spring. What do you attribute that to? Is it, and be honest with me, is it personnel? Is it attitude? Is it, you know, is the manager doing a better job? How do you attribute the better brand of baseball we're seeing now than we saw earlier in the season? Tim, I think it's an identity thing with the ball club. It's a different group now than it was even in May and June. Um, You know, we all love David Peralta, but it's a different team now that David is not here. The leadership is a little bit different. It's a much younger group. It's a collective. And even before early in the year, April, May, you'd still see occasionally a guy make a, a bad base running mistake or a ball would drop between two outfielders. We haven't seen that in a long time now. So that's been cleaned up. But for me, it's a different culture. It's a different group. It's a different dynamic. These guys have all played together at different levels coming up through the minor right. league system. So they've yeah. been teammates before. And, and that's a very valuable thing. Now it's a shared experience. It's not a veteran here, a veteran there, and a couple of young guys here and there. Sort of mismatched pieces that are forced to go together. Now it's it's a guys that have come up and been teammates before, and now they're teammates at the highest level. And it's a much more of a collective than it was earlier. We've talked we talked about just the speed on the team and uh, comparing it to the 85 Cardinals with Vince Coleman and Willie McGee and Van Slyke and those guys. That's right. But we I, went there. We, we went did. there. We, sure. talked, we talked sure. 85 Cardinals. Yeah. You know, we're we're, we're kind of old, Steve. Oh, we, believe me. I know. I go back to the 82 team that beat the, the Brewers in seven games. Yeah. In that amazing World Series. So, what, you know, one of the things that I've loved about watching this baseball team isn't just the speed, but the pressure they put on defense. And last night, and I know you guys were talking about the play that Perdomo bunted it too too hard to the first baseman, but I, I just love that style of play. I, I love that they're playing that way. Even though Carroll was out at the plate, I, I love putting pressure on the defense. Carroll going from first to third on the Kelly hit with the ball off the glove. I mean, right. so, it, it's just fun to watch. And I really think as a when you're when you're playing the Diamondbacks, you've got to be aware of so many different things because of what the kids bring to the base paths. Yeah, that's a play that Joe Madden used to run all the time, the indefensible bunt play, and and now they have the personnel, and it goes back to what Tim and I were just talking about a moment ago. They have the personnel to do that and do it a lot now. And Gambo, you know, Tori Lovello is not a big fan of the bunt. He doesn't like to give up outs at all, but the fact that they're doing it so often and have been so successful with it really speaks to the change in identity and culture here. Uh, Look, Keston Hira made a terrific play on on the one Perdomo bunt last night. You're not always going to get it. But it just goes to show you how this team has come to personify everything that baseball has tried to turn itself into over the last several years. That The desperate move to make the game more entertaining. Um, Theo Epstein talked a lot about that when he left the Cubs. He said, look, baseball's become boring and it's my fault. It's all about analytics and this and that. So now you've got an entirely different way to play the game. We're going back to those 80s speed teams right. that Whitey Herzog had in St. Louis. Yeah. So you've got the Diamondbacks who really are the first team to put together a group like this of young guys that bunt and play outstanding outfield defense and run the bases and are very aggressive. Everything for a Diamondback hitter is a double out of the batter's box. That's what they're thinking. They're thinking automatically double because they have the speed to get there. 
And there's not a lot of teams that can match up with that right now. And we're still in an era of the three true outcomes, which baseball is desperately trying to get away from. The walk, the strikeout, the home run. That's really bad baseball. This team is the opposite of that. And now with all these hitters, here's another thing that came up the other day. With all these hitters now trying to get the ball off the ground and up in the air, outfield defense has become enormously valuable. These guys catch everything in the outfield. Almost nothing gets down. So there's another added advantage to the way they play the game. It would have been insalubrious to not take advantage of that speed. <laughs> Gambo, your vocabulary is constantly amazing to me. I just think it's just, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's what I do. Let me, <laughs> l- leave me with this, because I know you, 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 when I listen to your broadcast and I watch every single game, if I'm not at the ballpark, you have a lot of nice things to say about Perdermo. You like his growth this year. Tell yeah. me why. He's much better defensively. First of all, he's a great kid. He's 22 years old, and we forget that. He's playing shortstop at the major league level every day at 22 years old with very, very little minor league experience. Keep in mind the lost season of 2020. That's a whole year of development gone. I I love him as a kid. He's a very happy-go-lucky kid, but his defense is much, much better. There were times in April and May where he couldn't catch the ball. He would clank it. He would bobble it. He would drop it. Now everything is silky smooth. The footwork around the bag for me has been outstanding. There's still way to go, no doubt about it, Um, but defensively, he's much, much improved, and he does little things right. If you look at the way he produces in the nine spot, whether it's RBIs or walks or runs scored, to me, every big inning we've had over the last couple of weeks has involved the Perdomo base on balls. He keeps the line moving. They build innings, and he's a big part of that for me. Uh, Steve, always appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, We'll be listening and watching the broadcast tonight as the D-backs take on the Brewers. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You got it, man. See you, Tim. Uh, That's Steve Berthium. Does an outstanding job on the broadcast with Bob Brownlee on Bally Sports Arizona, and you can catch him tonight on Bally Sports Arizona as they take on the Brewers. ASU got a nice win last night against NAU. Let's talk about some of the positive things that we took out of that game. That's next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.